Real stories, reliable information, the latest technology and news. Welcome to the Plastic Surgery Hub podcast, connecting people with practitioners. Hey listeners, it's Trish Hammond here again from Transforming Bodies podcast and today I'm joined by Dr. Joseph Risk who's a specialist plastic surgeon and he's based in Stanmore and he's just recently done explant surgery for um, a friend of mine actually who had her implants removed after many, many years which seems to be a common, you know, actually it's becoming more popular. So today we're going to kind of talk about explant surgery because lots of you guys are inquiring about it. So let's have a chat with um, someone who knows what he's talking about. So welcome. Dr. Risk. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for joining us. I know you're really busy and I, I really appreciate you seeing us between clients. So tell us, do you, like, I see that there's been an increase in explant surgery. Do you, is that the case in your clinic as well? Yes, definitely. I've, I've noticed it the sort of last three to six months. And in fact, today I'm consulting and this morning I've already seen two patients that are, that are uh, thinking about that, either to remove the implants because they're uh, not liking the look of them or they're worried about the new sort of ALCL that seems to be sort of in the media. And uh, people are sort of hearing about fat transfer and, and wanting either a lift and fat transfer or just removal of the implants. And it's, um, you know, it's definitely more common this year than last year. Yeah, and I think it's probably going to be a bit of a trend, like sort of happening, because we're getting so many inquiries from, you know, people saying, I want my implants removed. Can I have fat transfer? Like, so, so spot on exactly what you've, you're just talking about. I agree. I think that's that's the trend, and uh, you know, it's it's all about uh, you know safety for patients. They they respect their bodies, and they're trying to make the best choices. And you know, at the time of choosing implants, uh, there's sort of limited information, and now there's a bit more information. Implants are you know so, so relatively safe. It's the you know, rare types and some have been sort of pulled off the market and people just get nervous about having them in. And the best thing to do is to see your plastic surgeon and, and get the situation assessed so that you're not making sort of rash decisions. Yeah, that makes so much sense because, um, you know, a lot of people do send messages through and saying, oh, my God, like, you know, I'm going to get cancer, I'm going to get them taken out. But really, the stats, the statistics, I mean, I know it doesn't matter even if it's one, it's too much of a statistic. But the statistic is is not, like, when you put it in perspective, it's not a huge statistic. But for people that are worried about it, yeah, an explant is going to be, the you know, a solution for them, hey. That's right, yeah. And it's, you know, you can you can tell somebody about statistics and numbers but some personalities they they just they're more about um you know if there is any chance at all they they want to um you know have the implants removed on the other hand i've got many patients probably more patients that say well you know it's you tell them the information or you send them a letter and they say well, look it's extremely rare i'm not going to be fussed about it yeah. um and if the implant's not been recalled off the market by the TGA or anybody, then uh, there is uh, really no need to panic. And the best thing is just to, you know, make your plastic surgeon uh, a person that you review regularly um, if you've had the implant, especially if there's any concerns. Yeah, that's so true. I think when you when you hook yourself up with a plastic surgeon, it's um, it's friends for life. You know, there's no doubt about it. Especially if you're having implants, you have to have regular checks, don't you? That's it. And, and it's, you know, 
it's about your health and, uh, you know, things change over time. And if you, if you like plastic surgery, you care about uh, looking good and feeling, uh, you know, you feel good so you want to look good, then part of the process and if you know, want of a better phrase, the price to pay is that you need an expert. The same way is if you're going to get into business and, you know, take over companies and make money through business, you need a good solicitor or, or, or lawyer. And this is the same thing. And, you know, it's, it's money well spent. Uh, and I really think, you know, getting the expert advice gives you peace of mind and it saves all that stress and anxiety of thinking, you know, will this happen? Won't this happen? Because you've got somebody that will tell you exactly what to look for and what should happen. Yep, that's so true. And, you know, we talk, you talked about um, breast implants being recalled. So I know that there have been some recalled just recently, but what does that actually mean? Does that mean like they're not supplying them anymore or what about for the women that already have those implants yeah well there's a particular company that uh you know that they've pulled them off the market and and you can read the press releases on the tga website and whatnot um it it doesn't mean that those people should remove the implants but it does mean that you should you know see your plastic surgeon to discuss your options and to know about the statistics and see if it feels right for you. Mm -hmm. The government or the Society of Plastic Surgeons does not um, recommend having the implants removed, <coughs> sorry, unless the patient wants it or there's a problem. Yeah. <coughs> and I think that's um, that's true. Like a lot of ladies that I speak to, it's like, well, if, if you don't have a problem and, you, you know, like don't, don't broke what sorry don't you know don't touch it if it's not broken kind of thing like I, I'm definitely you know with that mentality but as soon as you feel like something's wrong go and get it checked out because it's true you may you know be one of those people that needs to have them um, removed and that's something that your plastic surgeon can help you to work out is that right that's right and if um, if you're aware of the symptoms to expect then you'll you'll um you know, you'll, you'll know when to see your GP or, or plastic surgeon mm -hmm. because oh. the typical presentation of the ALCL is between five to seven years and people feel a, either a lump or a swelling or sometimes a marked swelling where there's a lot of fluid. And it's obviously not normal to have a, such a big change five to seven years after the surgery. Mm -hmm. Of course. And, you know, and, and, you know, you sit you know, with your plastic surgeon or you read either the, the websites and get well-informed and um, it, it's information that's going to be very useful. Yeah. And so if someone does decide to opt for um, um, getting the implants removed, can you tell us a little bit about the, you know, like, because there's different types of implant removal. Like, and I know that a lot of people are, are hell-bent on, you know, having a capsulectomy um, or, sorry, end block um, sorry, I'm so bad with the jargon. Hey, <laughs> I'm not a boob person. <laughs> um, but some people have end block. Can, like, can you tell us like why you would or why you wouldn't, and whether you do or whether you don't, and why you do that? Yeah. Well, I'm. I'm. Um, you know, my personal technique and strategy is if if somebody is removing the implants because they're concerned about anaplastic large cell lymphoma. It's important to remove the, the capsule as well. <coughs> Excuse me. When I um, remove a capsule, 
for any other reason, I do my best to remove that capsule. Mm -hmm. If I need the capsule, I'll leave it behind. Well, my personal philosophy is that if, if somebody is concerned about anaplastic large cell lymphoma, that the entire implant and the capsule should be removed mm -hmm. because the pathology stems from the capsule. Uh, in other cases where there is no capsular contracture and we're not concerned about ALCL, sometimes we can use that capsule to form something called a neopocket or a new pocket where we use the capsule to camouflage any negative aspects of the implant, especially if the patient is thin. But these days, the trend that I'm noticing, you know, with the patients coming in when they're worried about ALCL, they just want the implant and the capsule removed. And I don't know if the research is solid yet, mm -hmm. but it just makes sense that if the disease comes from the capsule, then if you, you should remove the entire capsule and either put a new implant in with a lower risk or no implant and then you say, well, I've, I've removed every bit of capsule. Now, sometimes it's not the, the there's a big negative to removing the capsule. If the patient has the implants above the muscle and they're extremely thin, mm -hmm. you, you don't want to buttonhole the skin and, and remove the <coughs> just for the sake of removing the capsule because then you'll give a cosmetic deformity which is very hard to to correct uh i think you've got to weigh uh for each patient the the benefits of removing it and and what might be a negative of you know being overzealous with the resection okay well that makes a lot of sense because i wondered why some doctors because i hear it in our close group all the time like some doctors do do it some doctors don't some do it sometimes sometimes that sometimes they don't so it's obviously that's one of the reasons why you would or you wouldn't so it's not like you'd remove it for everyone it just would depend on the actual patient that's right it depends on the patient and yeah. you know the medicare item number which some are covered for for capsular contracture states uh, i believe that uh, half the capsule should be removed so it's not that you know, it's a it's sort of a standard where you should remove the entire capsule. I must say, it's my preference to remove the entire capsule, and I like to make uh, let let a new pocket form. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I'd be the same because I think, oh, if I want to, if I want them gone, and and because of you know that I think I'm gonna I'm freaking out about BIA ALCL, I'm gonna want the whole lot removed, thinking that you know that then it's all out of my body. So that's right. I, that's how I would feel. Yeah. So, could, so can I ask you? So, how with the if someone does have their implants removed, you're saying about fat transfer. So, I know of course you can only do a certain amount with fat transfer, but um, can it be like? Because the worst thing would be to to get them removed and and then you're left with. So you'd have to have a lift, of course. But can you actually get like a you know decent sort of breast with with fat transfer? Well, you, you can, but generally speaking, it needs to be in two uh, or three attempts. Now, not everybody needs uh, a lift. It really depends on the size of the implant and how, how much loose in there is. And in people that tend to be under 45 with minimal stretch marks and they're not smokers, they're skin tight. <clears throat> and if we can fill this, the... Um, tissue with some fat then the fat increases the volume the skin contracts and then you might get a good result 
I've had some patients where we've attempted to remove the implants, allow the skin to contract, and we do fat transfer at the same time. And we've waited six to 12 months. The skin doesn't contract to what I or the patient think is acceptable. And then we do the um, breast lift, which is really not a breast lift. It's more skin tightening procedure. Yeah, yeah. Some patients come in and you definitely know that they're going to need the breast lift and we just do all in one go. You've got to be really sick. You can't expect to remove a 400cc silicon implant and expect the fat to, to be transferred and for all to take and have the same result. You, you need to say that I'm, I'm changing the implants for these reasons and their positive reasons and I'm swapping that for smaller breasts that... Mm-hmm you know, hopefully suit the body and if need be, uh, we do, and there is enough fat, we do further fat transfers. Yep, yep. And so if, if someone wanted to have that, like how long, like is that just a daytime procedure or is it overnight or does it kind of depend? Like can anything go wrong, I guess, is probably the most important question. Yeah, well, it's surgery, you know. Um, you know, things can go wrong where you can get, bleeding and uh, a hematoma and sometimes bleeding that needs stopped acutely. Thankfully, it's extremely rare. When I do a removal of implants, I tend to, the majority of patients use a drains. And so people have, uh, I've got many patients that go home with drains and I see them either daily or second daily or I teach them how to monitor their drain output and it's something that you know most people are happy to go home with the patients that can afford to or have private insurance that covers they might elect to stay overnight one or two nights but it's still not uncommon for them to go home with drains because sometimes the output is high most of my patients are day only and um and they don't need to stay overnight yeah Okay, and so I wanted to ask, with the, you know, you were talking about the it having an item number, so could someone, and, and I'm sorry this is such a basic question, but we do get asked this, so if someone was like, right, I've got implants, I just want to get them removed because I'm freaking out, would they just be entitled to their item number just because they want to have them removed, or does there have to be a reason for that, like, does there, do there have to be some sort of, like, you know, redness or, or pain or, or anything like that? Yeah, well, everybody uh, everybody should see a plastic surgeon and just get their um, their uh, circumstances uh, you know, defined for them. But there is an item number for removing implants but not replacing them. Yeah. Um, and there is no... Uh, there is no reason in that particular item number to, you know, to have them removed. There are other item numbers that state why the implant was put in in the first place and if the implant were to be removed and a photograph taken intraoperatively, were that to be unacceptable, um, then that's, that's an item number that also applies. Somebody has a GP referral, um, and and has a concern uh, that, you know, they see their GP, GP writes them a referral letter to see a plastic surgeon or a breast surgeon, then 
they can be considered for the item number 4548, which is breast prosthesis removal of as an independent procedure. And that means that the implant is removed but not replaced. Yeah. And, you know, I think that will probably be uh, unacceptable for most people. And so that's why it's not, uh, you know, it's not used because people want something done and so then, then it's out of pocket. Okay, got it. So you know how the, and also how there's rules that if you have something, you know, quote, cosmetic done with something that's got an item number, you're not entitled to any of it. Is that the case with this as well or is that not uh, counted well, as some? Um... I think, um, you know, I think the uh, sort of the currently it's sort of a little bit of a grey area because I, I know that there are breast surgeons and plastic surgeons that uh, are happy to use the item number for the particular company that's been recalled. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think, you know, it's uh, if, if something is no longer offered uh, to the community but it's in other patients, then, uh, you know, a lot of people are saying, look, it's fair enough. And, um, you know, that that area I think is a little bit grey. The, the Medicare committees are discussing, uh, you know, what needs to be done. And I think that in some hospitals, in some public hospitals, patients have had implants for cancer reasons uh, removed for the particular company that's been recalled. Mm -hmm. uh, but generally speaking, if you have a procedure for um, a cosmetic reason, it's sometimes hard to justify, uh, you, you know, using an item number. Uh, I um, I tend to have a patient cohort that does not have, um, you know, private health insurance. They tend to be younger patients. And, you know, for the majority of my cosmetic patients, it's always out of pocket, unfortunately, for them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so is there any... Uh like, is there any, like, you know, when you have a tummy tuck and they do muscle repair, is there any kind of repair or anything that's needed if someone, when someone has their implants removed? Because, like, I'm just imagining, like, is it just the the skin that has to be removed or or um, is there other stuff that happens in there? Because you kind of got these two things sitting in your chest wall. Do they, you know, like, I don't know, is there any other repair done? No, well, that that's a good question because... You know the capsule is removed, and for most people who are thin, the um, the muscle is resutured on to the chest wall. It's not uh, you know as functional as it was before the the breast augmentation, but it is sutured down because there's no point in having it there, and you can you know you can get um, what's called animation, which you, you know is quite common. Um, breast implants but you want to try to avoid that so my preference is to re-suture the pectoralis muscle into the new position and let the skin either do what it's going to do and contract or do that breast lifting breast tightening procedure mm -hmm. got it got it and you know like when someone has it done i'm guessing that um would you use antibiotics would you use like would, would the patient take antibiotics in a in something like this because I, I think because they're having it removed but you're still kind of having surgery and yeah I, I tend to do it you know the, the breast it's a gland it's exposed to the um, you know outside atmosphere uh, technically you know bacteria could be there um, I do the standard um, 
you know, antibiotic prophylaxis uh, for that. And I find that, um, you know, the, the infection rate is extremely low. Yep, yep. No, that makes um, a lot of sense. I think that's probably what I'd want as well. Oh, that's so interesting. So if I was going to ask you as well, how long does the procedure take? So say if someone was just having them removed and didn't, and with a M block, how long would that take as opposed to someone that was having a breast lift and removal? Like yeah. how long would they be under surgery for is what I mean. Yeah, so just removed, uh, on average, it's between three hours. Sometimes it can be extremely tough for polyurethane-type capsules yeah. or somebody with a capsule contracture. On average, it's two to three hours. And if they're having a lift, it's it, you know it could be anywhere between two and a half to three and a half hours, uh, depending on the size of the breast and how big you know the lift is. Uh, you know, I've certainly had patients that are a little bit quicker, and I've had patients that you know the need to be more meticulous has been you know required, and so the surgery takes a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh, when when the patient is under the anaesthetic, they have calf compressors to help prevent blood clots in the legs and antibiotics and blood thinners if needed. Uh, so we attempt to make the the um, surgery as safe as possible. Yeah, that's a long time, hey? Like, I mean, because they take, like, not very long to put in and they take so long to take out. People don't, um, you know, they, they're often not aware of how long it takes to take yeah. out the yeah. extra costs involved. Yeah. And what about in the case of um, the when they're ruptured because I watched um, a, a, a surgery procedure where um, the implants were removed. She'd had them in for 30 years, but basically they were just ruptured and, and there was just, you know, all through, she was just like to get all the sticky stuff out that was in the implants. That just took like forever. Um, right. You but, need to do a lot of washing and be sure that you've got as much of the silicon out. Yep. There are techniques that are described and detergents that can be used, mm -hmm. but um, I often, you know, they can take a little bit longer because you're not only taking an implant that's all in one capsule, it's basically silicon everywhere. And I tend to leave the drains in if that's the case, and certainly those patients are on antibiotics. Oh, that's good. So if the drains were in, would, would stuff still come out of the drains? Like would silicon stuff could still come out of the drains? Less, less the silicon, but the reactive fluid to the silicon. Um, got it. Got you it. know, you, you know, one tries to take every bit of calcified silicon uh, and every bit of sort of you know relatively uncalcified silicon, but the body sort of has a way the immune system of mopping things up and getting rid of it. But there's an inflammatory reaction that that is caused. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, that's so interesting. It's just so interesting. It, like every time I hear, um, you know, talk about it, it, just you learn something more each time. So that's been really, really helpful. So can I just ask one last question? So if someone was thinking of doing this, is of having, you know, their breast implants removed and uh, not replaced, what would you say their first step to be, you know, to actually, you know, get on the path to do that? So you go to your GP. That's right. Get a referral. And if you know who did them, you could go back to who did them. Or Although if you had it done years right. ago, you probably don't even remember. That's what happened before the breast That's implant registry was out, hey? That's right. And, you know, people, you know, they put five, ten years. You know, it's not something you think about every day. But if you – it's always, I always advise people to see their GP because then, you know, 
you know, hopefully the journey is a simple and straightforward journey, but it's always good to have a, a GP that the plastic surgeon can write to and inform them about the progress. And then you've got somebody else that you can run things by if there's a little bit of uncertainty. And uh, obviously if you want to use some item numbers because they were put in for tuberous breast or cancer reasons, then it's, it's going to help. Yeah, that's right. Cause that, it, that's true because a lot of women that have breast implants, it's um they've had, you know, they just they have um they haven't put in because they've had um, cancer and they just want to, you know, look you know have that feminine shape again. Hey, so it's not just, you know, anybody yeah, could want that. That's right. And and if you see your GP, then uh, that's the first point you know port, uh, that you should see, and then. Uh, if you have a plastic surgeon in mind, that's good. Then they might have some people that have had this type of procedure done, and they can tell you about, you know, their their sort of, um, you know, sort of experience with that particular surgeon. Once you see the surgeon, then you know they'll they'll in the right way and ask you about your motivations and your general health. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can you can come out of there with a plan and. If you need to have surgery and it's crucial, it'll happen. If you don't and you've got options, then you can think about them and have a second consultation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, that makes so much sense. So go to your GP. You may already have your surgeon picked. If not, you know, either do your research online to and look for surgeons that have done it and seen and shared people's experiences or, um, or yeah, get your GP to refer you to someone that they might know as well. That's right. Oh, awesome. That's been so so helpful. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Lovely. And listeners, look, if you do want to find out more about uh, Dr. Risk, you can actually look him up online. It's spelled um, R-I-Z-K and it's Plastic Surgeon based in Stanmore. Otherwise, you can drop us an email to info at plasticsurgeryhub.com.au. Thank you so much, Dr. Risk. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Plastic Surgery Hub podcast, connecting people with practitioners. For more information, visit plasticsurgeryhub.com.au or email info at plasticsurgeryhub.com.au. The material provided in this podcast is general information and does not constitute medical advice, nor is it a substitute for consultation and advice from your own practitioner. It should not be used to diagnose or treat any medical illness. Any medical or surgical decision should be made in consultation with your own doctor or practitioner and not based on the materials provided in this podcast.